0: Thank you, worship team. It's great to be in God's presence together, isn't it? It's so good. This is why you need to come to church because there's this moment when we gather together in God's presence that He strengthens us all together, all at the same time, speaking to us as individuals, all differently, and yet all at the same time. So This is why we gather together to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to sharpen one another. I'm so glad that you're here uh, today, and uh, we're so glad to have our our, our national superintendent of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, and our church is affiliated, is one of the churches affiliated with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And so uh, this is is Pastor David and his wife Susan, and they're here uh, to join us. And and yes, he's the national superintendent. He's like the president of the POC. That's pretty much it. You're not wearing any like, like lanyards or necklaces or anything, Pastor Davis. this morning? No, no, no ring or anything, nothing to kiss. Okay, that's good. That would be unsanitary. It's fine. but uh, it's, it's great it's great to have them this morning. Would you welcome Pastor, Pastor David Wells?
1: I'll get one of those big rings that <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Shane, and uh, great to be with you all. I was uh, speaking in a pastor's conference actually down in Windsor with a couple other fellowships of churches that we partner with across Canada, and Pastor Corey was there. And we got talking about Bradford, and I said, you know, I've never been to Bradford community. And he says, well, let me see what I can do. And I kept feeding him money and eventually <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Shane cooperated. And uh, no, no, it's uh, appreciate these guys inviting me along with your leadership uh, to come today and uh, just an opportunity to connect with you and to uh, connect God's Word with how the Spirit is speaking to us, maybe on a little broader scale uh, than just um, more localized, but to talk a bit about how the Spirit is speaking to us on, uh, right across the country and even in our involvements around the world. And I do thank Bradford for your part in being, as Pastor Shane said, part of this national family. Uh, there are over 1,100 of our disciple-making communities spread across the country, and uh, they take on all sorts of different shapes and sizes. I sometimes say I'm the head of Chameleon Ministries and uh, I, I take on different shapes and sizes because uh, we meet in places uh, all across the country and uh, look a little different. And we meet in different languages. We've got almost a hundred that meet in the French language. Another almost a hundred that are First Nations uh, congregations meeting in cities, but also in different Native communities across the country. We've got. Well over 200 that meet in languages uh, like Spanish, Korean, and so on. And uh, so it's a a great family, and we meet right in the heart of cities through to some of the most uh, isolated communities uh, that you can imagine. So that's uh, a bit of who we are. We're also very involved internationally. We believe to be healthy, that we should be reaching our Jerusalem. That's why Bradford community is so important, that you're here that you're in your specific town, city, uh, giving evidence of God's love face-to-face with the community. Uh, We want to be in every community across Canada because that's where it starts, in our Jerusalem. And then it spreads out to cooperate together uh, in our region, our Judeas, and so you're part of a Western Ontario group of churches that cooperate on a lot of things. But then we have national priorities, and we do partner together to uh, focus in on areas where we have to go to our Samarias, where we have to reach out across boundaries and barriers in our own uh, country to some of the great mission opportunities right in Canada. And uh, then it carries on to the othermost internationally. So last Sunday I had the privilege of speaking in Havana, Cuba, and uh, there with a church that has been in almost continuous revival. For over 20 years we've played a vital part uh, and the leaders uh, met with some of our international mission leaders and we had a great opportunity to talk about next steps but we've been very involved in the theological education of their leaders in their mushrooming church. They're still under persecution, they're still under pressure. Right now our Cuban friends in the assemblies there are facing the possibility of a thousand of their uh, churches uh, being shut down because they've grown, they buy houses, and they grow, and they extend, and, you know, the government doesn't like that, so uh, you're going to pray for the Cuban church, aren't you? And you've got uh, Ron in your congregation, so you know quite a bit about churches that still thrive even when uh, governments aren't cooperative and even when there's great pressure. Ron uh, was the one who first introduced me to uh, the opportunity to go to Vietnam. You remember that trip? yeah I can't forget it It's the first time I've ever been taken to a meeting of leaders where we went through a typhoon and uh, water up to our knees, and the guy going on ahead of us beating the water so that the water snakes wouldn't get us you know and thanks bud i <laughs> I'm still a little shaky <laughs> What a great memory <laughs> so uh but uh so yeah. Let him be your tour guide. (laughs) But, uh, you know, what a great privilege to be part of the global church. So Bradford uh, community is part of the global church you're participating. I see my friends, the Armitage is up on the wall there. And uh, Eurasia, one of the most needy mission fields in the world. We can't wrap our heads around it because of the history of the Christian church and the fact that Europe was so involved But the reality is that some of the most needing countries for mission in the world today are in Eurasia. And uh, so thanks for being supportive of mission there as well. You're part of responding, as our church family is, to what we call the triple crises right now. Of Ebola in the West Africa. Of uh, reaching out to those who have been displaced by the Russian incursion into the Ukraine. And uh, also responding to the refugee crisis with the Iraqi-Syrian conflicts that are going on with this. And we've got frontline people and we're involved with partners, engaged in that strongly. Um, And you see, we do things uh, better together than apart. And so as your pastor refers to affiliation, uh, we understand that Uh, We're not independent. We're not on our own. We're not autonomous even. We're self-governing local churches that have God's wisdom about the leaders that we call and the direction we take in local ministry, but we do that in affiliation. We're linked with a family, and that family has values. That family has uh, truth commitments that we make to one another, lifestyle commitments that your leadership makes, uh, that we hold them accountable to. You're doing all right, bud. Hang in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe, anyways. <laughs> and uh, But we're also a cooperative family that uh, we share in mission together. And uh, it's just so exciting to, last Sunday, be in a packed church in Havana, Cuba, and realize those people bless the Canadian church because of how we stand together to support them and their leaders. Isn't that great to know? And you may only have heard of that first time this morning, but that's still you. That's who you are uh, linked together with us. So God bless you, and thanks for being faithful. But again, local churches are the life flow because we start right at home. And thanks for being a life-giving river Right within Bradford. I want to point you today then to a little broader picture about how the Spirit is speaking to us as a church family uh, here in Canada today and how we want to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And you may recognize that from the Revelation. So we're going to go there this morning and first of all let's read this uh, passage in the Revelation chapter 1. And we're just going to read verses uh, 9 through 20, if you'd follow along as I read. Uh, If you've got your own Bibles, you can open it up or follow it along with me. And you'll be reminded, this is uh, John writing, as he indicates at the very uh, beginning uh, of our reading. Uh, He's a brother in the companion, in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that is ours in Jesus. And, of course, he's on the Isle of Patmos. Uh, He's being uh, restricted there because of his uh, faith and his testimony of Jesus. He's, of course, a leader of this uh, fledgling church that's gained traction, gained strength, and so is being persecuted by uh, the leadership of that time. And so on the Lord's Day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. What's said? Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. To Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. The scroll would be important, you see, because uh, they didn't have communications the way we have nowadays. This would literally be a scroll, a letter that everything would be recorded just as we read it today. And they would go from church to church to church. And most of the people, of course, didn't read. So the scroll is being read by the messengers in the life of the church, their leadership, their elders. And uh, they get to hear what the Spirit was saying to each of the individual churches, you know. So wouldn't it be cool to find out what's going on in Aurora, Newmark, and see what the Spirit has to say <laughs> about uh, Alliston and so on. You see, it's that kind of idea, the Spirit speaking uh, and John's making sure it's written on a scroll to go to these churches. And so he turns around to see the voice that was speaking to him. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands... I like that, seven, very good. Among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you've seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the golden stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels, angelos, the messengers of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So now, Lord, we ask by your Holy Spirit to do that miracle that only you can do, where you take these words and you make them living and active in our hearts and minds so that we are transformed by them and we end up looking more like Jesus. That's what we ask for this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. So the Spirit brings this message of this revelation of Jesus. And we've just read the revelation. And then it will go on, as John gets other visions and so on, to describe the things, to prepare the church for what is happening, what will happen, but also to encourage them about the greatness and the majesty of their Lord, that in all these things, there is one sovereign person, there's one supreme one, and he has the keys, He is the first and the last, and they should see him revealed to them that way. So Christ is revealed to them, and he speaks to the church as a living Lord. He is one who is not just some sentimental figure, someone who's done some loving act, like dying on a cross and then disappeared. But no, he's risen again. He has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. There he is. And he's very active in the life of his church. He, by the Spirit, is going to speak to seven distinct communities of faith, and he's going to speak with knowledge about them. Get the picture? He's among them. And he's active. And what he says... And how he speaks to them is to be the thing that has their attention. The Lord of the church doesn't like to be ignored. (laughs) He wants us to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. So here's this majestic picture. This God Almighty. This one who by his Son has revealed himself. And we see Christ standing before the church in his awesomeness, in his greatness. That's why it's so important we worship together. It's why it's so important that we stay engaged in the life of God's word. It's why we continually remind ourselves that, again, we're not just worshiping some sentimental figure or some ideas. No, we serve a living, active Lord who is the sovereign one. He's mighty, And he speaks by his word like a sword out of his mouth. He holds the churches and its messengers in his hands. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Is that still true in 2014? We believe it is. A living, active Lord. The Almighty. Your creator. The one who breathed all of this into existence. And he has his people. That are to fulfill his purpose on this planet. It's the church. There's lots of great community groups in Bradford, like there are across Canada. There's lots of great sports teams, like the Edmonton Eskimos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, anyway, I had to get that one in. Anyways, you know, there's lots of things that bring us together. But let me tell you, it's very clear from scriptures that there is only one group of people that have been delegated by the Lord God Almighty to represent Him, His truth, His salvation on this planet so that people can be set free and live at peace with God and with others for eternity. And that's the church. That's why this matters. I mean, think about it. So many other good works. So many other things that are important. But this group of people called by his name. They matter in the eyes of the Almighty. You are his new humanity. You are his creation. You are the people that are to bear light to the world. To bring grace. To share good news. We're it. I I don't know why he trusts us. (laughs) But here we are. I wouldn't ask young men and young women to be part of the church necessarily just because we have good coffee on a Sunday morning and sing some nice songs. But I can look at the young men and the young women in this church and say, but to be part of the church of Jesus because it's the representative of the Almighty on this planet and together we form this new humanity that whether we're young or old, whether we're white or black, whether we're male or female, he brings us together to lift up and show what he does in a group of people to Bradford. Think about it. That's worth being part of. Now you know why I'm involved in the life of the church. (laughs) Not because it just has a cool title. Sometimes the pain wouldn't be worth the title. (laughs) But the purpose of the church wow, that's what we're part of. And you can tell from the tone and the revelation that we're called to take it seriously, we're to have ears to hear what the Spirit would say, because the Lord wants His church to reflect Him and to speak His truth. So we want to have ears to hear. So the Spirit uh, speaks in a consistent manner to these seven churches. It's interesting to note there's an outline that almost runs as He speaks to the seven churches, and that becomes chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the Revelation. And there's seven churches, and... uh, There's a consistent outline about how he speaks to them. He reveals Jesus to them, of course. But what he does is he takes that revelation from chapter 1 and then he applies specific aspects of the character and the work of Christ to each setting based on how the Spirit is going to speak to them. So although it's Christ and we all serve the same Christ, Yet I honestly believe at any given time the Spirit can be calling Bradford Community Church in a certain way that might be a little distinct from just down the highway in Newmarket. Or a little distinct than how he's speaking in other settings and other groupings. Because the Spirit knows who's part of this family. And he has the ability to speak to us specifically. So Christ is revealed to all seven churches, but in specific ways from the revelation of chapter 1. He affirms the things that are good and right about those churches. Sometimes when we think the Spirit is speaking or at work, uh, that it's all going to be uh, finger-pointing and telling us what's wrong. But you got to go back to this understanding. We even sang a bit about it this morning. Uh, we have this heavenly father that loves us. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's the greatest parent of all. And if you do good parenting, you, don't, you just don't point your fingers at your kids. You just don't tell them what's wrong. You also love to come alongside of them and reinforce what's good and right in their character, what you see developing within them, what they're doing well. In fact, if, 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 if you're like our Heavenly Father, I think you're actually always keeping your eyes open so you can, go way to go, you know, and jump. And. Like I still have this memory of watching my son who's now 27, and would probably be embarrassed if he was sitting in the room today, me talking about this. But subtract about 15 years off of his age, you know, and there I am on the sidelines watching his soccer game, and and uh, being the youngest child, you could sometimes sense that he wrestled a little bit with confidence, and and sometimes you know things like math and so on in school didn't come that easy, and you were always working to reinforce uh, confidence into him, you know, but boy, you know, he could do sports, but I'll forever remember the game when I'm standing on these sidelines, and I stayed on these sidelines because he's left-footed, and he tended to be on the left side, and they were defending that goal. In fact, I'd move around from side to side. Any of your parents emphasize with this, you know? And uh, you get the picture, but all of a sudden, you know, tie game, season-ending tournament, They're they're working their way through. If they win this game, they're off to the finals. They could actually win the tournament. And the other team's got the corner kick near the end of the game. You know, scary little moment, you know, because if they score on the corner kick, they'll probably win the game. My son intercepts the corner kick. All of a sudden, he's off. He's through two or three members of the other team. He's all of a sudden racing in from the left wing all by himself. And he's coming in on goal. And his dad's going a little berserk, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, he shoots, he scores! Yeah, you know, he's kind of mixed hockey here with soccer. But anyways. And, and, but there was something phenomenal. You know why I remember that to this day? Not just because we scored a goal. And they did go on to win the tournament. But there was, there was like a Rubicon moment that day that happened in his confidence about what he could do. And if I, as an earthly father, love that kid so much that even at 27, I'm still looking at ways to reinforce his confidence and to cheer him on, how much more our heavenly father looks at his people, the church, and loves to speak by his spirit and say, here's what's good and right. Here's, here's what Bradford community is doing good right now. I'll tell you what you're doing good right now just because Susan and I sense it walking into this building. You are a fellowship. You are a family. You do care for each other. There is a sense of the Spirit of God within you. You protect that. You guard that. You build on that. Don't take it for granted. But at the same time, hear a well done along the way you got leaders that enjoy being together with one another and, and play off of one another. That's not bad because I've just been in settings where there are leaders where one of them is actually leading a sedition to take over the church from another. That's not good. The Spirit should speak to them. <laughs> and they should have ears to hear. But if you stand together in unity, celebrate it. Say, let the Spirit say, way to go. doesn't mean like, like any family, we have our moments Why, even Susan and I have occasionally disagreed with one another. (laughs) But the Spirit does correct and challenge the negative. And again, if you're a loving parent whom the Lord loves, He also disciplines. He also notices the things that need to be spoken of. And He does speak to these churches. And He corrects them. It's not loving to just reinforce the good, but ignore what's tearing somebody apart. And so the Spirit needs to constantly speak to us about the areas that need to grow and develop and change. And then he calls for response. That's part of the, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. It's the call to response. It's an indication where he's spoken to them about some things that need to be corrected. He'll give If you respond this way, then this is the inevitable result if you ignore what I say. But if you respond positively, here's what I'll do within your church family and in your life. You see? So again, a bit like good parenting. You're going to get a little bit of marriage counseling a little later on in this message. You're going to get a little parenting advice. Isn't that great? Well, because it all flows from the Heavenly Father. And the Heavenly Father is a loving God who reveals his Son to his church and speaks by his Spirit, and we should have ears to hear what the Spirit says. So what is the Spirit saying to us today? Yes, in the local context of Bradford community, but as I mentioned, even to take you a little further into the national context and how the Lord is speaking to the Canadian church that I somewhat represent to you today. Well, we go to the first church that he speaks to, Ephesus, chapter 2. And Jesus is revealed to them as he is shown to hold the seven stars in his right hand. Again, these are his messengers. The angelos, that word that we sometimes will have translated angels, it depends on context. It can be angelic figures sent from God, but it's also uh, the same root word that speaks of the elders and the shepherd leaders that would be in a congregation that were to bring the message. And so they were expected to be faithful with this message that God had given to the church. And he reminds them in Ephesus, he reminds people who had led the church. In fact, we know, for instance, that Timothy led the church in Ephesus for a period of time and in fact he got intimidated he got fearful at one point because of how uh you know it again intimidating, that city was. It was full of immorality and idolatry. The Temple Diana was there. Uh, It was a rich city. Lots of commerce. There was lots of education. Huge library building there that you can see if you go there. It just speaks so much frankly of our culture today. This is why I think Ephesus to a great degree speaks to the Canadian church today. That we could get intimidated. That we could back off. That we could, as Paul says to Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel or of me his messenger don't don't be don't be backing off timothy and think timothy was mentored by the apostle paul and yet he himself could get intimidated so certainly we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves to understand that in certain contexts like canada in 2014 we could start to back off we could get intimidated oh it seems like so much is going on uh, opposed to us uh, you know, uh, latest developments within the educational world in Ontario. Some of the things teachers are being asked to teach. It's intimidating to stand up and say otherwise, or try to be at the tables and influence. But you see, the Spirit says, my messengers are not out on their own. Timothy is not engaged in Ephesus by himself. They are in my hands. And none of us are living the gospel life in Canada out on our own. We're in his hands. And your leadership, Shane, Corey, others, need to constantly remind themselves, this is not just our gig, this is not just our message, it's his message. Dave Wells needs to be reminded, I'm in his hands And that gives me a great sense of security and comfort. I'm held in his hands. But it also speaks then of accountability. I want to speak his message. I want to have his words. I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel. And I don't want to be intimidated by the evil one who's out to destroy every Canadian life, every Canadian family, every Canadian community. I don't want to retreat into the background and disappear because somehow he's worked his fear into our hearts. God's not given us a spirit of fear, is what Paul writes to Timothy by the Spirit. But he's given you power, love, and soundness of mind. That's how you respond to our culture with a spiritual authority that comes from the Spirit and knowing we're held in the hands of God. But it also comes with love. We don't react back, get our hair all slicked up, get our white shoes on and, you know. We don't just wage social media warfares at inanimate objects out there that are, you know, we're fighting with. No, we show up at the tables of our community. We get to know real Canadians. We get involved with real people. And we come with a sense of the Spirit's authorization, but also with love and a soundness of mind. Cool, eh? (laughs) It's the way to live the Christian life in Canada today. So we're in His hands. And the messengers in the life of the church are in his hands. They're cared for by him. They're accountable to him. And then he reminds Ephesus, And I walk amongst the lampstands. I'm very present with the church today. The Lord is among his church in Canada. He's active. He's hands-on. We're not abandoned. We're not on our own. He's here today. It's not just for a moment within worship as we feel a certain way emotionally or drawn to him. But it's it's just in the everyday living as the people of God. He's with us. He's among us. He's not left us alone. No, I give you a comforter. I give you someone to walk alongside of you. And not just for your own personal interest, but... Has a family, as the body of Christ, my spirit is among you. So this is how the spirit speaks specifically to Ephesus revealing Jesus. Now you'll see in the affirmations and the corrections why he specifically mentioned those things. The first thing he affirms relates to their spiritual vitality. You see, the Spirit speaks to all seven churches in, in the areas of spiritual vitality, theological vitality, and missional vitality. Now that may sound a little farce. What's that mean? But for instance, in Ephesus, their missional vitality was this. He says to them, I know your deeds, your hard work. I know that you're standing true. So remember that intimidating environment that I'm talking about? And how the Spirit spoke to Timothy and the church at that time. You come along a few years later. And the Spirit is saying, you are standing strong. You are uh, living out the deeds of the gospel. You are representing the gospel well. There's a vitality about you doing the mission of God. Even in a challenging place. And so he speaks about our missional vitality. Missional vitality is like the fruit on the tree. To have fruit on the tree, you need to have a trunk and branches, correct? I was just cleaning up around my yard once again yesterday. Three lousy, stinking walnut trees, 60 to 80 feet, dirtiest trees on the planet, constantly, but the problem is they're vital. (laughs) They're living. And you see, the, the... those things drop so many walnuts down on our heads that sometimes when I'm cleaning up in the fall, I have to wear my bicycle helmet out there. And, and those evil demons, the squirrels, you know, you, you, they used to look cute to me. I now realize they're just rats with big tails. They're, they're evil rodents. They should be shot to pieces if I could do that in Burlington. But they... Any of you like squirrel stew? I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> any of you like walnuts? You can have my walnuts, you know. But but it's like when those trees are healthy. I mean, man, you're getting leaf cover during the summer, and you got all these things shooting off of there, and you know. And then all of a sudden, all these gourds start falling down, and hitting your head, and you know. But uh, that means a pretty strong, you know, branch, and and underneath it all is the root system. It's uh, drawing the nutrients out of the soil and so on and, and bringing it up. And, you know, in some ways, that's the picture of the vitality of these churches when they're vital. They, they've got a great root system. They've got spiritual vitality. Uh, it, the way Jesus put it, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you see, the word, the, the truth... We worship in spirit and in truth, so you have spiritual life, you have intimacy with Christ, you're keeping in step with the spirit, and then that's, that's framed on something that never changes, the character and nature of God, the truth of God's word, you see, theological vitality. So, you see, as Ephesus is being addressed, there's fruitfulness... Because Jesus said, you abide in me, my word abides in you, you ask what you will, you receive it, this is my will, this is my purpose, that you'll be fruitful. He wants his church to be fruitful. He wants our individual lives to be fruitful, to bear witness of Christ and his work and see lives transformed. But where does that come from? You have to have a message. There has to be truth that sets people free. There has to be this branches, you know, that you can stand on and lean on in tough times and know you've got an anchor, you've got strength. And where does that come from? Life in the spirit. The nutrients that just fill you. The presence of God, you see. So if you've got that picture in your mind and he's coming to Ephesus, he's saying hey, it's looking good here. There is this fruitfulness I see. There is this vitality about how you're doing good works, and then goes on and affirms the theological side. This is good news. Now, don't take this lightly. Theology sounds like a big word, but again, we worship in spirit and truth. When Jesus came and dwelt amongst us, he made his tent with us, his home with us. We'll celebrate that through the advent. We celebrate that he came full of what? Grace and truth. So, you got the New Testament constantly reminding the people of God about truth that matters. Always reminding them about the gospel and the truth of the gospel. Always correcting the false prophets and the messengers that come along that are not in the hands of God but are in their own hands and under their own authority. And those of us that are exposed to the church not just nationally but internationally, Ron and others, we can tell you about the damage being done to the people of God worldwide because there are false teachings and there are false prophets. And you see, even in Canada, most people are not engaged with God's Word. 55% of Canadians never read the Word of God. The younger you get, the more Canadians that have never even cracked open a Bible. As a leader, I want to stay engaged in the mission of God within Canada. So I've made a long-term commitment to be involved with uh, world-class athletes and sports events. Right now, I'm I'm Toronto 2015, the Pan Am Games. I'm responsible for the interfaith working group. I have a meeting this Wednesday. I'll give my entire Wednesday to the Pan Am Games. Because, you see, I can't call... my friends in the Church of Jesus across the country and say, be involved in mission and then be hiding out in an ivory tower somewhere. So as I go into that office, I get to meet some young men and young women, half my age, who I just fall in love with. They're the greatest people, they're working hard. So my boss is half my age, a young woman, originally from Ontario, lived out in B.C. for a long time, went over for the London Olympics, and now she's helping up the Pan Am to set up the Athletes' Village where I'll help run the chaplaincy, you see. And so I'm responsible to her. I hear from her what I'm supposed to do. It's a good thing for a general superintendent to have to give an answer to a young woman half his age. (laughs) But here's the thing. The overall head of villages, one The last time I was there, hey, Ralph, you got to hear this. He says, I was leading everybody over to the village to see the latest improvements on the village just the other day. And I said, hey, don't worry about this. Just follow me. It'll be like Moses leading you through the wilderness to get to the promised land. See, he's the product of the United Kingdom and religious education classes. I don't believe he's living for Jesus at all right now, but he's got background. But you know what he said to me? And Ralph, none of them knew what I was talking about. Okay, this is in the Pan Am offices, sitting with a bunch of young adults. And they all started looking at me like, yeah, well, and they're they're open to talk about it. But, you know, later my supervisor said to me, she said, you know, Dave, I I wasn't raised in an atheistic family. It's not like we, you know, my mom and dad just said, you know, we were free to choose whatever we wanted to choose. And, yeah, I've never read a Bible And I got talking to the guy next... No, I never read a Bible. Gal over here says... Well, I got into my undergrad program taking literature. And uh, I I started to realize that... Boy, there were a lot of references to stuff that I didn't know where it came from. And somebody said, well, that's the Bible. So I took uh, an elective on biblical literature just so I'd know. And so you see... Canadians, like my friend wrote a song, have put a mirror in the sky. They look up and see themselves magnified. Our God looks just like you and I. We place a mirror in the sky. We self-define spirituality. We self-define truth. And of course, most of our fellow Canadians are going to shape it into their own image. The things that speak of individualism and yet a spirituality. They'll take in even a little bit of those Jesus ideas like love your neighbor as yourself. Cool, that's sharp. Way to go. Yeah. And they fuse it in. Spiritual fusion. But here's the tragic thing. The vast majority of those who self-define themselves as Christians are not engaged in the word of God either. The recent statistics that we participated in through the Evangelical Fellowship tell us that only about 20% of the people that are engaged in the life of the church have any kind of even weekly pattern of engaging the scriptures. And some may have just checked off on it because they sit where you sit and they read a scripture like that and said, oh yeah, I read the Bible this week. And the Spirit speaks to the church in Canada today. And he says the truth matters. The truth of Christ, the work that he's done on the cross, Jesus as the unique Savior matters. And let us who have ears have ears to hear what the Spirit says today. We're living in a deceptive age. There's a lot of false voices out there. They come from all sorts of angles, some from within the life of the church, of course many from outside. They come through media, they come through education, etc. I'm not talking about being a fear-oriented people, remember? God's not given us a spirit of intimidation. But with the Spirit stirring up our calling, we engage truth, because it's truth that sets people free. It's not our opinions, it's not our ideas, it's his truth that sets people free. And that's rooted in Jesus. But maybe the root issue goes back to what the root issue was for the church in Ephesus. And that was their spiritual vitality. The Spirit is writing to this church. He's looking at this big walnut tree. He sees loads of walnuts falling off. The branches and so on seem, you know, like they're still there. But he sees deeper. He looks, and you know what he says? Your root system is rotten. You're starting to die from the inside out. And the way the Spirit says it to the church in Ephesus is that you've lost first love. And you see, the Lord cannot allow his church to go on with all of the motions and looking like everything's great and let us go along and not fulfill the greatest commandment Jesus said, which is that you and I should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, we should love neighbor as ourselves. And when we forsake first love, the Spirit says, I'm warning you, you've got to deal with that or you will actually cease to be the church. When you lose your love for me and what I've done for you in Christ, and when you begin to lose your love for one another because it's by your love that they know you're Christians, then you can have some of the outer semblances of being the church, but it's not very long before I have to remove the lampstand and say, sorry, this is not my people anymore. Because they are not motivated by love for me and love for others. And folks, all around us, even within the Canadian context, one of the things we deal with in our office is the number of other groups coming to us from within the Christian church saying, would you be interested in buying our buildings? We're having to amalgamate congregations. We're having to put people together. Now, we close churches from time to time, but we also open more than we close, you see. But, you know, there's this crisis in Canada amongst the Christian community because in so many contexts, love for God love for his word, love for what Christ has done, recognition of the uniqueness of Jesus and the work of his cross has been put on the side and everything else has been substituted. And for a period of time, it looks like there's still structure. It looks like the tree's still there. It looks like there's even some fruit happening. But the Spirit of God comes along and says, no, my spirit isn't there anymore. My message isn't being heard anymore. This is no longer my people. And let me say, as somebody that represents our family from sea to sea to sea, I refuse to be a loveless church. I refuse to allow us to go about all the busyness of church life and gathering for an hour and a half, two hours on a Sunday, and going through and thinking that that's all that we are. So I love worship. I love the sense of drawing our hearts together. But folks, I'm appealing as I go from congregation to congregation and leadership group to leadership group. We're having consultations in our different districts and hopefully your pastors can join us in February. But anyways... You know, the the appeal is this, have ears to hear what the Spirit says. We are not a people that just go through the motions. We are not a people that just put church on our signs. We are people that are aching to love God with all our hearts, to remain in deep relationship with Him, to have His Spirit at work in us. We want to be filled with the Spirit. We want to sing to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We want to know what the presence of God looks like with us in the neighborhood or in school or at work on a Thursday and have words of wisdom and knowledge just as much as on a Sunday because we want to be alive in Christ. And so, the Spirit speaks to us to always maintain and keep first love. And to Ephesus he had to say, remember, they were active in mission. And they were even telling false prophets and wrong teachers where they could go. But the Spirit still says to them, you've got to remember first love. When a marriage loses first love, you know what happens? It begins to drift couple begins to drift. Divorce within the Christian community doesn't tend to happen just because of one major terrible event, it tends to be the result of a drift over time, our hearts turning elsewhere, our thinking going elsewhere, never having time to engage in any kind of depth or conversation and shared activities and and never connecting emotionally or even intellectually, better yet, spiritually. You see, all those things begin to drift. And the Spirit says to the church, you know, it's a lot the same thing. You've got to remember, what does first love look like? Remember when you first heard the message of Jesus? Remember when you first heard the Lord Almighty actually humbled himself and made himself of no reputation and came on this planet and took your place, lived life out and took your place and went to a cross and died and took all of your sin and all of all your animosity and had it heaped upon him? Do you remember what first love is like where you just are humbled by the cross? You remember what it's like to have the Word of God actually living and active. It's like words, you know, maybe not every time, but just constantly this sense of God speaks to me, God's presence with me, His Spirit's with me. Remember. Don't settle for some kind of mushy, semi-separated, the kind of like weathered love, you know. Remember first love. And sure, we mature in Christ, and we mature in how we express love in Christ, but there's still first love. And then he says, so do the 180. Repent, return. Don't settle and say that's normal. And it could be true in our own marriages as well. Don't just settle for that mush over there. Do the 180. Return to what you did at first. Do first things. The passion, like Paul expressed, I want to know him. I want to know him. So part of the call in my life as a 59-year-old, somewhat overweight, beyond middle-aged guy, is to come to congregations and forget the title and forget all the glamour and so on and just say, at 59 years of age, I refuse to lose the passion. I want to know him. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. And I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. And it's not just me, it's an entire fellowship rising up and saying, No, we will not let our root system die. We want the presence. We long for the presence of the Almighty with us every moment of every day. That's our birthright as the children of God. His truth living and active within us. His spirit going with us into every day. And we'll bear fruit. But it will be fruit that remains. It won't be the last fruit on a dying tree. It will be first fruits. Better than ever before. May God grant that to his church in Canada. So stand with me, please. I thank you for the extra time you've given that you had no choice about anyways. <laughs> but I might not get back here. and So I'll stand with hands... and hearts abandoned in love we sang it this morning but before we sing it again now I want you to do it just out of a sense of commitment again to first love say I'm not going to live this life any other way and together as a church community we're not going to have any other standards than what the spirit would set Here we are, Lord, offering ourselves to you in first love again today. If you just want to know the joy of first love afresh, just join me with hands high and hearts abandoned and say, here we are, Lord. Lord, we don't want to settle for secondhand stuff. Lord, we want to be passionately about first love, love for you, love for others. We want the cross to always be our heartbeat, ruling within us. Thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, even washes us afresh today. That's the basis of our relationship. We, we celebrate that again today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you, Lord, for the nutrients in the soil. Thank you for your word that gives us strength and truth and life. And Lord, if we've drifted from consistently engaging your word and allowing your spirit to speak to us lord would you just draw us back today we do a 180 we run to you but we run towards your word as well we want to hear what you have to say to us we want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord jesus christ here we are lord hands high hearts abandoned because we're in love with you lord Lord, in one sense, we want to symbolize not just Bradford Community Church. We want to symbolize the church in Canada today. Keep speaking, Lord, to your church. Keep drawing our brothers and sisters, young and old, all across this nation to first love. We pray for a renewal, a revival, an empowerment of your church, Lord, that would dazzle and amaze us. But Lord, primarily a renewal of first love, a revival of intimacy with you and enjoying your presence Lord, we want to bear fruit and fruit that remains. change lives, changed homes, changed communities in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Not just words, but Lord, the posture of our heart and the embrace of all that we are. We love you, Lord. Let that love be shed abroad in our hearts, so that we can continue to be a loving community that knows the love of God shed abroad to others, including those who don't know you. To this we commit ourselves today. Now let's worship with the team and celebrate first love and say, here we are, Lord, with hands high, hearts abandoned in love with you Lord
0: thou